expand and become greater. No, they never do. Because outside of God's presence, there is no good. No flourishing. No innate capacity to sustain life. God is good, and he's good even when we're not feeling good. He's good even when things are feeling like they're coming apart, and uh, we're going to find that today he gives us a roadmap toward restoration, and uh, the, the key, the, the big idea for this message today is this. God restores his people by creating a path of holiness for them to pursue, and uh, today's message is entitled... Hope springs eternal. Hope springs eternal. All right. Isaiah chapter 35. If you would open that, uh, that chapter with me. Chapter 35, verses 1 through 8. And we'll get into it because this is, is going to be a fun one. Here we go. Ready? The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Stop for a second. It's talking about this dry desert area. And he's seeing hope springing forth in the dryness. I like that. Think about that for a second. When I was preparing this message this week, I was like, wow, that's, a re- that's for me this week. In the dry and weary land, God can break through the, through the dry and weariness, and he can make things spring forth. You shall see the glory of the Lord. That's who does it. The Lord does it. The majesty of our God. Verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have anxious hearts, be strong and fear not. Behold, our, our God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Whoa. Think about that. One of the questions I was asking in the, in the past few weeks is, God, what do you want me to do? If you watched Bible study on, 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 Thursday, on Wednesday night this week, the title of it was, God, what do I do? If you haven't watched that one, I'd encourage you to go watch that one. God, what do I do? And so much of the answer came back, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not even about you. What do I do? It's not about you. It's about me. So what can you do? You can get close to me. How about you do that first? Get close to me, and then all the questions you have will become clearer. All right, verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. 
Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongues of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the hunt of jackals where they lay down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. You know, you know, where, that, you know where reeds and rushes grow? By rivers of water. And the highway shall be there. Now, I want you to focus in on the word highway. The highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. An alternate title for this message could be a signpost that points up called the way of holiness. Holiness way. The highway is called holiness way important. We're going to get into this. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. Another, pass, another uh, better translation for that is fools will not be given passage. I like that translation better. Fools will not be admitted. Lord, thank you for this text. Thank you for your word. God, illuminate it to our hearts. Help us understand what it means, not just for the time it was written, to the people in whom it was written back in the day, but how it, how it transforms us today. God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Even though the people of Israel are suffering because of their own sin, because of their own sin, God promises them help and restoration in these passages. The vivid image of dry desert quenched with rain and the wilderness in full bloom, bloom serves to show the depths of mercy God is bringing to his people. When uh, Lisa and I took a trip to Southern California for vacation, we, we took a, our car. We rented a car. Uh, we figured, you know, we're in we're California. Let's rent a convertible. So we rented a sweet Mustang convertible, and we drove up down the, uh, from, Calif uh, to, uh, from L.A. down to San Diego, and that was nice. And then we decided, let's take a trip to Palm Springs, okay? So you can see the picture of the car here. Um, so this is in the middle. There's a desert. The desert is Anza Borrego Desert that, runs that is, exists between... San Diego and Palm Springs. And we drove through this thing, okay? Noticing the dashboard, the temperature was registering above 100 degrees, well above 100 degrees. We decided to pull over and just experience what the desert felt like. Notice that the top's not down. <laughs> it was too stinking hot. So we got out of the, I got out of the car. Lisa, we said, take some pictures. We said, it was so hot. It was, the only thing I can compare it to is like if you just had like a huge hair dryer and you just stood in front of it on high. Because it was windy too. It was, it, was, it was like, it was crazy. It was like every pore in your body was just being sucked dry. Immediately. This picture, we got out, we took this picture, we got back in the car. 
we were grateful for air conditioning and an adequate tank of gas. Because <laughs> you don't want to run out of gas in, this, in the desert. It was insane. We couldn't, you know, it's a dry heat. I don't care. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? It's a dry heat. Okay, so it means I can, you know, dehydrate quicker. You know, I can become a California raisin quicker. I mean, it's a dry heat. Whatever. I guess I'm just a New Englander through and through. But then we, so we, we continued on our way, and we got to Palm Springs. Now, Palm Springs is the same temperature. It's, the same, it's, a, it's basically the same desert. But something has happened there that causes there to be elements of that location that bring relief to the dry desert. There's palm trees there that bring shade. There's water there that brings relief. We went to, we're like, what do you want to do in Palm Springs? We're like, where's water? Let's find some water. We found a water park. We went to the water park all day, and then we left Palm Springs because it was too hot. But there was water there. But here's the thing. Nobody driving from the desert into Palm Springs thinks that happened naturally. Everybody knows that Palm Springs is there because somebody did something to make it happen. It was irrigated. The water was brought in. You don't have green grass in Palm Springs unless you have irrigation systems. You don't have the relief. You don't have palm trees like that unless you bring in the water, unless you irrigate it unless you some outside source makes it happen and that is the same thing that we read in this passage in their the struggles and the trials they are not going to get relief there is no relief to be found in and of themselves the only oasis that they can find is when god enters the situation and does something that is not natural to the environment they're not going to naturally get relief. doesn't matter what they do. God says, but I will make the deserts bloom for you. It's going to be beautiful. You're dying and you're dehydrating to death. I'm going to bring it. The places where the jackals now are making their homes in the crags, that's where the reeds are going to grow because that's going to become a waterfall. It's going to become a river of water. I don't know what these poor jackals are going to do, but you see what I'm saying? It's outside. It can't be done naturally. It has to be done from an outside source. Apart from God's presence, there is no good. Let that sink in for a second. Apart from God's presence, there is no good. Remember we talked last week? We said we always think that the things that are going to make us happy will have a payoff someday. That the joy, the, the momentary times of pleasure or joy are going to, you know, expand and become greater. No, they never do. Because outside of God's presence, there is no good. No flourishing. No innate capacity to sustain life. Both the people and the land became desolate. That happens when 
nations. Abandon God. And it happens when people abandon God. Yet God, listen to this, yet, that word, I love that, yet God lovingly announces that he alone (laughs) will reverse their fortunes. Not only is God promising to restore the people and the land with his blessing, but he's also causing them to regain their strength. He's like, suck it up, buttercup, let's go. Tell those people who are weak to strengthen themselves. I love that part because it was me this week. What does it say? It says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Come on, man. You know what to do. Let's do it. You know what to do. You've been doing this long enough. You know what to do. Stop moaning. Stop groaning. Say to those who have anxious hearts, be strong and fear not. That was to me. He's strong, sucker. What's your problem? Don't you know who you serve? Oh, we got somebody. You guys got to watch Wednesday night's message from Bible study. If we knew the power of God, oh, if we understood the scriptures and we knew the power of God, it would totally change our outlook on life. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, You're asking the wrong questions. He goes, If you knew, and he's talking to people who were experts in the law, who were lawyers, religious leaders, that if you knew the word of God, if you knew the scriptures, and you knew the power of God, you'd be asking different questions. Pretty good stuff. Man. So suck it up. Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. You don't have to worry about it. God's got it taken care of. They've become feeble and malnourished. Though they have feasted on delicacies of their idols in their rebellion, these have only served to weaken them. This weakness is not only being physical, but spiritual, according to the words of the prophet. Thus he utters God's command, be strong and do not fear the help they have desperately needed is finally about to arrive. How many of you remember the, uh, the cartoon Popeye the Sailor Man? Do you remember that? You remember this guy? Popeye the Sailor Man. See, Popeye, every episode was the same. It, it was. I mean, it was. The animators must have loved it because the, the storyline was exactly the same every single time. Popeye and Olive, what a looker. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of her. I should have done that. <laughs> Popeye and Olive would be doing something innocuous. They'd just be doing something together, and then Brutus would come by. And he would try to take Olive away from Popeye. And he'd Popeye to get the mess beat out of him. Every episode, this guy must have had some serious brain damage by the time. Every single episode. And then he would finally, finally remember the source of his strength. And he'd 
crack open the nastiest can of spinach. Oh, so I showed somebody the video, the picture today, and they're like, that's why kids don't like spinach, because of this nasty stuff. The spinach is actually really good, but this stuff's nasty. He'd crack open that, that can of spinach. I don't know how it got in the air. And then one, one big gulp. And he would, some, some anvils, would, his arm, muscles would turn into anvils or something. Something dramatic would happen. And then, boy, Brutus was in for a shock. There's two things I would do if I were Popeye. First, eat the spinach when you got up in the morning. Right? And... If I were Brutus, I would find the can of spinach first before I started beating the mess out of him. I'm not a cartoon. So the source of their strength, his strength was this magical spinach. My, my, my. No weakness is beyond God's ability to strengthen and restore. The, fact, the, the problem is we only go to him when we're in our direst of need. We should drink, we should eat the spinach for breakfast. We should eat the spinach for lunch. We should eat the spinach for snack time. We should eat the spinach for dinner and for midnight snacks. We should, we should not let ourselves get emaciated and malnourished spiritually. And then when everything is falling on around us, when Brutus is kicking our rear... We finally go, oh, God, where's my spinach? And then we crack open the word and go, oh, okay. Funny thing is, just like that spinach, God's always there. These people were constantly going away from him. And they suffer the consequences of doing that. They'd get the mess beat out of them. And every single time they'd go back to God, he was there for them. That's our God. I think if I were God, thank God, thank God I'm not God. There have been some serious lightning bolts happening this past week. Thank God I'm not God. But if I were God, I don't know if I would be so quick to be like, okay, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I mean, the idea that God was, is always so merciful is, is incredible. But to save ourselves the emaciation, we should always be on the highway of holiness. So no weakness is beyond God's ability to strengthen or restore. Isaiah maintains the blind, deaf, uh, excuse me, mentions the blind, deaf, lame, and mute. This is not only descriptive of physical conditions, but God's people and their spiritual condition. God's, ooh, think about that for a second. God's people and their spiritual condition. Instead, they became like the very idols that they gave themselves to. Turn to well, it'll be up in the wall. Psalms 115, 2 through 8. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Why should the nations say that? Our God is in the heavens. He does, not, he does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, 
but they don't speak. Eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. God's restoration is sure, but his process will require a change in direction. The path towards restoration is only found on the highway of holiness. Verse 8. Maybe we can use another sign. A U-turn of surrender. Thus far, the people have journeyed fast down their own path leading to destruction. God's ways are in the complete opposite direction. They must leave their current course and travel the path of God. This process, however, is far more than religious adherence or outward conformity to a set of rules or ceremony. God's holy path leads to a person. Leads to a person. The only one who perfectly walked the path of holiness and now opens the way for us. Jesus. Jesus proclaimed, I am the way. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the highway. Luke 4, 16 through 21. Jesus was just starting his ministry. And he went to the synagogue and he started to preach. And I want to read this section to you because it talks about how Jesus is this, is the person that's going to fulfill what Isaiah is talking about, ultimately. So 16. And as it was a custom, he, Jesus, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And this is what he quotes. He reads it out of Isaiah. And you can find this in Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and receiving of sight to the blind. See how that connects with the passage we read today? Restoring, set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stops there. He stops there. And I, I, I found it interesting as I was going back, because that, that New Testament, you just read that. But then I was like, I want to read what he was quoting. So I went back into the Old Testament. And he stops there. He says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says this. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the, uh, to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He fulfills Isaiah. He is the path. 
He is the way. And if we put our faith and trust and hope in Him, then we can strengthen those, those uh, weary hands. Those really, uh, we, we can get rid of the anxieties. The fact of the matter is we just need to get closer to Him. But I, I thought it was very interesting that Jesus stopped halfway through a verse. He stopped halfway through a verse. He said, verse 19, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Stop. In Isaiah, that verse says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then in Isaiah 61, 2b, it says this, and the day of the vengeance of our God. I think that's very interesting. Because he stopped at the day of the Lord's favor. And it's my understanding that the vengeance of the day, the day of the vengeance of God is coming. He hasn't fulfilled that part yet. He will. But that's that's still to come. That part had not been fulfilled in their hearing yet in that day. Why would you stop halfway through a verse? Because I'm telling you, God's not done with this place. He's not done in this earth. Let me read what the rest of it says in uh, Isaiah 61, 2b through 3. In the day of the vengeance of our God, to, com- uh, to com- um, comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. I am a strong believer, more and more, that we have subscribed to something that somebody has coined as cheap grace. Cheap grace. Cheap grace. And I don't think it's anybody's fault because it's very, we have, we have, we've read, it's in Scripture. Things like, if... Uh, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's, that's, that's a great scripture. That's grace, right? Whoever confesses with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they shall be saved. Great verse. I mean, that's true. That's true. But we don't talk about holiness anymore. Righteousness anymore. How cheap is that? That we can expect all the blessings of God and do nothing. Now, I'm not talking about works being a path to salvation. I'm going to stick with James on this one. James says, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. My faith comes first. 
my works should follow. It should follow. Why am I going through all these things? Didn't I? Doesn't Jesus love me? Didn't I say the prayer when, at an altar one day? Didn't I say that? Yes, but you've been living like the devil. What, do you, what did you expect? You're not following any of his guidelines. You're not living a holy life. The people of Israel turned their backs on God, and then they blamed God for the problem. They may be called oaks of righteousness. What does that even mean? What does it mean to be holy? It means we should look a little... Well, I should say, that's, that's watering it down too. It means that we should look very different than the world. Our priorities should be different. We should be, as the scriptures say, more like aliens and strangers in this world than citizens of this world, the natural born of this world. We should look different. It should be completely different, the way we think, the way we process. And I'm feeling, and I'll just tell you, I'm feeling that in the last few weeks. I have been processing all the stimuli that's been coming in. You know, the other day, I, I did what I should have done like a year ago, and I I took Facebook off my phone because I was just getting too much. I'm not saying it would always be off my phone, but I was just getting too much. It was just too much. And you get in these echo chambers, you know, algorithm, echo chamber algorithms, where they feed you what they think you want to hear. You know? Because I was dealing with the surroundings I had the way everybody else was. And the question came, what do I need to do? And God's like, ask if you knew the scriptures and you understood the power of God, you would ask different questions. You're not supposed to be tackling this the way everybody else tackles it. You're supposed to be tackling this according to my word. You're supposed to be putting your faith in me. Not in people, not in systems, not in governments, not in politicians, not in social causes, not in all these. You are supposed to put your faith in me, and that may be weird to people. Guess what? It's the highway of peace. The highway of righteousness, the highway of holiness. We should be different. It should, our, our method should be weird, right? Why aren't, you, why aren't you stressed? Well, God told me to strengthen my arms and stop being so anxious. He's got this thing. Really? That's what you're going to stand on? Yeah. Actually, it is. Isn't that naive? Maybe for you. But I'm... All my life, he's been faithful. All my life, he's been good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. What a great song, right? 
So it should, we should look, it should look different. Listen, this is what I want from our church in 2021. I want us to really... Um, all right, I'm going to tell a story. I have time. All right, good. <laughs> I know I keep promoting Wednesday night's Bible study. On, on, go, go watch the whole thing. But I want to talk a little bit about one part of it. Okay. Um, it's a narrative. And Jesus was coming into a town, and he was coming to a house of Martha and Mary. And Jesus was sitting and teaching in their house to his closest disciples. And Martha was doing all kinds of things. It said The word says she was serving. Right? Serving is not a bad thing. She's serving. She's serving. She's doing the work. But she looks into the room and she finds her sister sitting at the feet of God, and it says, taking in everything he had to say. And Martha gets torqued. What the heck? I'm doing all the work. Mary's just... I figured that's how Renaissance painter would draw her. <laughs> She's had a halo. Um, She's sitting, and so Martha comes in, and she, she gives it to Jesus. Like, Jesus, I'm doing all the work. Doing all the work. And Mary is sitting at your feet doing jack squat. She's doing nothing. She's not doing nothing. So this is Jesus' response, and I'm paraphrasing because I'm not reading it. It says, Martha... Martha. Says her name twice. Put your name there. Davy boy, Davy boy. <laughs> Gary, Gary. Put, your, put yourself in there. You are worried and anxious about a great many things. But there's, there's only one thing that is necessary. That's such an important word. There's only one thing that is necessary, and Mary has found it, and it will not be taken from her. What if we as a church, and I'm not saying serving's bad. We, we need you to serve. We need you to greet people at the door. We need you to run sound booths. We need you to be on the worship. I'm not saying that those things are bad, but what is her attitude? Her attitude was, God, you owe me. I'm doing all the work, so God, you better get somebody up off the rear to help me. She's like, no, you should be in here with us. You're worried about a great many things. So what if this year we decided as a church to not worry about everything that's going around and try to tackle things the way other people might tackle them, but we would do the one thing that's necessary. And that is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen. To soak up everything he has to say about everything that is going on in our world. And then we actually move from that place. Because Mary didn't sit there forever. We know that. 
But we move from that place into the world with a whole new perspective on how we tackle the things that we, God has given us. A whole new perspective. Unless we know it, we can't do it. So you don't know what you don't know until you know. Right? You don't know what you don't know until you know. So yeah, I mean, some of this stuff is like, yeah, why would you not be anxious? But when we sit at the feet of Jesus, we realize that he's got this thing under his control. Then the deserts start to bloom in your life. The anxiety rolls away. I hope. That's my hope. It's what it says. That's what I want to find out this year. You don't know what you know. You don't know until you know. I want to put it into practice. What if we as a church did that? What if we look so weird to everybody? Because when people have these political conversations, we go, you know what? That's interesting. I'm not really worried about that, though. Why aren't you worried about it? not. God's got this thing taken care of. Oh, you're one of those guys. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I am. You're just saying that because you don't want to talk about it. Kinda, but it's also true. Do you hear me? Uh, we're in this, we're, we're together in this, folks. So this is, this is our church. But I feel like maybe we have been tackling life from a different point of view, maybe on a different path, and maybe we need to get on the pathway of righteousness, the highway of holiness, and start just really focusing on what God has to say, spending time with Him, uh, and actually taking the Word and applying it, worshiping Him. What the whole worship set this morning was, our worship is one of our main sources of strength. Our worship is the battle, is the fight. Worshiping Him, sitting at His feet, learning from Him, and letting Him be our peace. Letting Him be our assurance. Letting Him be our all in all. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is life. No one can come to the Father but through Him. He's the door and He is the source. Amen. Lord, thank You for this day. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You are a God who fulfills what You said You would do. You didn't just say it back in Isaiah and let it go. You actually fulfilled it in the Gospels. And there's still work yet to be done that You have not fulfilled yet. And we are anxiously awaiting Your return. But while it is still called today, Lord, I pray that we would be a church, a people, individuals that are more concerned about what it looks like to live this life out in light of who you are and what you have done than all the mess that's around us. Lord, I believe, I, I'm a strong believer that if we live this way and we talk this way, that we'll have more opportunities to share the gospel with people. Because the conversations won't stay on social issues or politics. They'll, they'll move to you. 
they'll move into why we are so sure in our salvation, why we're confident. And that'll be a light in a dark place. Lord, if we as a church could live this way, God, I pray we will. I believe that through this, doing the one thing that is necessary, you will bring revival to our land. Lord, help us not to get distracted by all the things that we could do and focus on the one thing that is necessary to be the church that you have created. Because you said the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. So Lord, we give you our hearts today. We ask you to minister to us in only ways that you could. Lord, help the, uh, the desert of our lives sometimes that we're in bloom because of your presence. Lord, help us to be more focused on righteousness and holiness than we are about problems that surround us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. And I would love to have conversations with you in the weeks to come as to how this type of thought has impacted uh, your life. God bless. Have a great week.